So I want to talk to you about what it means to have great faith, like really big, extraordinary faith. And whether you're a Christian or not, there's a part of the way you view the world that has a faith element. You may be part of a different religion, or maybe you're more into the New Age kind of thought or Eastern mysticism, but no matter what you believe, here's what all of us have in common. All of us are trying to figure out how life works. Now, when you're really young, you don't really care about how life works as long as our life works. And we can get other people to do the things we want to get done. But as you get older, you sort of have to have a framework where everything sort of makes sense. And in your frame of reference, there's an element of faith. And you, like me, you're trying to figure out, how does God fit into that? He, she, or it? Uh, how does that work in the real world? I mean, why did that happen? Does prayer matter? Does meditation matter? Does religious consistency matter? Is the whole world just karma? Um, the question is, what can I do to harness this power, this force, God, what, whatever, to get the world to cooperate with me? But all of us have this kind of faith thing. What do I believe about how all of this works? And if I believe in myself and I believe in myself, I, I can accomplish anything. Or maybe you were raised in church and it was where you were taught if you had enough faith, you could get God to do stuff for you. And maybe if you had some really great faith, you could get God to do things that God wasn't even planning on doing. Now, I never want to assume you know this, but I'm a Christian and this is a Christian church online. You're watching and my name's Ed. And you see on the screen there a number and if anything sort of lands with you today, you can text that number and I will personally respond to you. So we're talking these days about what it looks like from Jesus' point of view to have great faith. And the way I want to get at this is I'm going to read you several things that Jesus himself said. I mean, Jesus was a person of great faith. And these verses basically explain how his faith was a reality and how he lived it out. And then I also want to read to you some of those happy Bible verses, you know, the ones that the internet loves to post as memes and put on posters on the wall. The, if you believe it, you'll receive it. If you ask, you'll get it, those kind of verses. Uh, these are the verses that everybody loves to go to when it comes to the power of faith. Now, you might not have noticed this, but as a guy who loves Jesus and is trying to follow Jesus, I notice this all the time. It's hard to find a religion or philosophy in our world or really any kind of system that explains the world that doesn't in part hijack a part of the message of Jesus. In Islam, there's Jesus. In all kinds of cults, there's Jesus. In almost any kind of new age philosophy online, there's Jesus. You, you just find about any kind of modern self-help, self-image book and somewhere somebody's quoting Jesus. And what they do is they go through the Bible and they find a verse that says, hey, if you believe it, you'll receive it. And, and they say, see, even Jesus thought that if you had enough faith, you can get what you want to out of this life or ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And of course, there are all kinds of verses in the Bible. If you have a point and you want to take one or two verses and you can probably prove your point, even terrible things like the superiority of one race over another. By the way, that's, that's all hogwash. Even though you, you can find people on the internet here who will quote you a Bible verse or two to support it. But back to what I'm saying here, because this is important. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus in their philosophy. And the reason is almost everybody has respect for Jesus. Some of us believe he's the son of God. Some of you think he's a great prophet, but almost everybody respects him. 
So if you can blend a little Jesus in with your philosophy, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? And I'll just tell you, it drives me crazy because if you ever actually read about the life of Jesus from people who knew him, like you read his words, not just the ones you like, but you read all of his words, what you see is though, even Jesus was a person of great faith. His faith was not something he used to get the world to work for him. His faith wasn't something he used to manipulate God into doing his bidding. I mean, this man who had extraordinary faith was also a person who was extraordinarily surrendered to his Father in heaven. And in fact, what becomes clear is that great faith is surrender to the will of God. Now, if today is your first time to jump into this conversation, I just say you might want to go and listen to the early episodes. They're all free on the internet, but here's what we've been using as a definition for faith for followers of Jesus. Faith is confidence that God is who he said he was and that he will do everything that he's promised to do. So if we really believe that, I mean, if we really embrace that, then the logical response to believing that there is a God who knows your name and he is who he says he is, like he's an all-powerful, all-knowing God who loved you enough to send his son into the world to give his life for you. If you really believe that, then the logical response to that is not, hey, God, what more can you do for me? The logical response to that is, what do you want me to do? The logical response is not using my great faith for my benefit and you using your great faith for your benefit. The logical response to having confidence that God is who he says he is and that he'll do everything he said he will do is complete, total surrender. So when you read the Bible, you're not gonna find Jesus leveraging his faith or his power for his benefit. It's always for his Father's will and his Father's glory. Jesus had extraordinary faith, but his extraordinary faith led him to extraordinary surrender. So here's my warning. If you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus, a big part of following Jesus is surrender. A big part of following Jesus isn't, hey, now that God loves me, because I love his son, God's gonna make my life good. Biblical faith is confidence that God is who he said he is and that he will do everything that he promised he would do. Faith is not about getting out of your pain or escaping the circumstances of your life. Although I will say it sells a lot of books and builds great big followings. Faith is simply waking up every day and saying, God, you are great and I trust you and my great faith will be seen in this world today by my extraordinary surrender to your will. So again, how's that land with you? Again, you can let me know or ask any question about that by just texting the number on the screen. But right now, I want you to see what great faith looks like in this world. It looks like great surrender to God. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. 
trusting that He will make all things right if I surrender to His will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Him forever in the next. Amen.
trust it all, I trust it all to you, my dreams and all my plans, trust it all, I trust it all, forever I'm changed, I'll never be the same, because of your love, because of your love, forever I'm changed, I'll never be the same, because of your love, because of you, Jesus, whoa, So great faith looks like trusting enough to surrender. I want to read you a part of the Bible that talks about Jesus' great faith. It's written by one of Jesus' closest friends. He writes one of the accounts in the Bible that are called Gospels or Good News Stories about Jesus. And his name is John. I want to read you something that Jesus said, and I want you to listen for this idea of Jesus and his great faith leading to his surrender to the will of the Father in heaven. So here's what John heard Jesus say. I can do nothing on my own. So I get this might be weird, but just say out loud what it is that Jesus said he could do on his own. <laughs> nothing. Now, I feel like somebody should tell Jesus what I hear so many people in our world say. Hey, Jesus, don't you get that if you speak negative words about yourself, you bring them into existence in your life, you need to be more positive. You, you talk like you're never going to do anything. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. <laughs> Jesus, that just all makes me really uncomfortable. I mean, what are your goals? Like, what would bring you inner fulfillment? Well, my life's pretty simple. I just try to figure out what God the Father wants done, and then I do that. I don't do anything on my own. Jesus, that's, in that's incredibly passive. Well, maybe so, but I'm just here to do the will of my Father in heaven, and if you follow me, that's where we're going. In another setting that John records later in his book, this is what Jesus said. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So even the things you say aren't your own? No. I just say what the Father's commanded me to say, and I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. So you're here just to do what God says to do, and you're here just to say whatever God says to say. Yeah, that's it. You don't have your own plan? No. I just do what the Father says to do, and I just say whatever he says to say. Okay, one more place, and Jesus is recording um, the words, and uh, John's recording the words of Jesus, and he says this. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of the God who sent me, not to do my own will. So Jesus, you don't initiate anything? Well, with you I do, but my Father's the one who came up with the plan. Jesus, I thought you were like this rebel leader. No, I came to do what the Father says to, to do and say what the Father says to say that I should say and to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. That's my Father. So Jesus, you mean you're totally under someone else's authority? You're totally taking your cues from somebody else? That's right. So you have no agenda? Oh, agenda, yeah, I have an agenda. My agenda is to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus, why have you surrendered yourself so much to the Father? Because I know that he is who he says he is and that he'll do everything he says he'd do. I have great faith in God. So why would I show up with my own agenda and try to get God to do that? 
The logical response to a God that can be trusted is to be totally surrendered. Yeah, but where's the part about personal happiness? Your will is to do the Father's will and the Father's will is all about what he's doing for people. Where's the part about you? I mean, is it all supposed to sound that selfless? Pretty much. Well, I don't want that. I mean, you're too passive. You only do what God does and you only say what he says and you only care about doing his will. And yet here we are 2,000 years later and I'm speaking in Jesus' name. That's pretty good for passive. No one's going to be reading anything I say in 2,000 years or 200 years or 20 days from now. So this is one of those questions that if you're wrestling with the truth of Christianity, you're going to just have to ask yourself, how did this kind of thing ever get out of the first generation of followers? I mean, I can understand a religion or philosophy that tells you how you can get spiritual power to better your business and make your life happier and to make you live longer and make the world go away. But one where the leader says, hey, just get up every day, do the will of the Father, say what he says to say, do what he says to do, and his will is totally about other people. Come on. <laughs> that shouldn't have had any legs to it at all. 2,000 years later, here it's still here. He crossed the world. It's jumped across national and racial lines. There has never been another religion in the world to have done any of that. And if you, at any point, you're really going to try and use the words of Jesus to get something for you, well, you first ought to see where all that was coming from. It wasn't about doing any of that for him because his great faith resulted in great surrender. Here's one last quote from Jesus on this. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. What? The Father lives in me and the Father is doing his work. So. You're saying you're like a vehicle, like a pipeline that God does his work through? Oh yeah, that, that's a great way to think about that. Well, what about I give to God and God blesses my business and he takes care of my kids and we all live happy and healthy and I, I get to live the blessed life. Where's the part about I can ask anything and I can get it? Where does that part come in? Well, I wanna read you those internet meme kind of quotes, those verses that people share around the internet where all the philosophies take a little bit of Jesus. Let's read those and talk about them. And maybe this is where you have a question you wanna ask or you wanna reach out. And remember, there's a number right there on the screen, you can do that. But as you listen to them, you're gonna to have to hear them in the context of what Jesus has already said about himself. I didn't come to do my own thing, but God's thing. I didn't come to say my own words, but God's words. I didn't come to do my will, but the Father's will. And with that as a backdrop, listen to this. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. <laughs> I'm telling you, Instagram loves that verse. Philosophers love that verse because, well, look at it. Look at what Jesus did and you can do greater things than Jesus did. Jesus healed so you can heal. He promised you we'll do greater things than he did. We hear that and our self-esteem goes up and we think, man, if I could ever tap into that kind of power, imagine what I could get done in my life. But you see, you just heard him say, I do nothing on my own authority and God is doing his work through me. And I tell you, if you have faith like I have, you surrender his will then you will do greater works and he'll do those through you. God is willing to do extraordinary things through you. 
Well, what kind of things is he willing to do? Well, the kind of things that God would do. He's willing to do his will through you. The kind of things that God did through Jesus, that's what Jesus would say. Things that are for the benefit of other people. This isn't about you coming up with a list and saying, I believe, I believe now. God, you promised. This is about us getting on our knees and saying, okay, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? Here's an even juicier one from the memes. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now that's what I'm talking about right there. Jesus will ask you. Do anything I ask him to do. You just believe and you ask him and it's yours. Hey, just put her picture up on your dashboard and every day say, God, I believe in you for her. And you put up the picture of your house and your monitor and say, God, I believe in you for that. Because Jesus said, if you believe you can receive, let's thank God in this place. <laughs> I mean, it feels so good and it, and it sounds so good. But come on, you heard the context of Jesus. You heard, you heard what he said about himself. Do you really believe that any of the 12 closest men who were standing close to him at that time when he said it, that they thought that's what he meant? I'll say this, if they did think that, we don't have any proof they ever tried to apply it that way because all of them died terrible deaths with almost nothing material left in their name. See, they knew that when Jesus talked about receiving and doing, it was about receiving and doing the will of the one who sent him. This is about surrendering ourselves and saying, God, what do you want done in our world? What do you want done in my family? What do you want done in my finances? What do you want done in me? I want to be like the one I follow. I want to be a pipeline. You're to spend your life leaning into what you know about God and trying to stand, understand what God's plan is for you and the world and then get in line with what he's doing. And if you get in line with that, God will be blessing the world through you. What an honor. Great faith leads to great surrender. Great faith looks like this. God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with my career? What do you want to do with my kids? What do you want to do in this relationship how do you want me to handle my sexuality? How do you want me to handle my finances? God, do whatever you want to do because I believe that you are exactly who you say you are, that you'll do everything you promised you would do. I trust you and I want to be in alignment with what you're doing so I can get the blessing of doing it with you.
is it that it's easier for us to sing that or hear that and in our spirit sort of agree with it, but when it comes to doing it, why don't we do that? Well, in the end, our actions betray that we don't really trust that God is for us and that truthfully, we have some stuff we want to get done. And what I want to know is how do I get God to do that stuff? But that's not faith. You know what that is? That's I, I have a little God in my pocket for when I need him. I've got God in my pocket and I take him wherever I want to take him and I leave him wherever I want to leave him because I'm going to go do something later today and I don't really want God to be a part of that. 
I mean, we treat God like he's a manageable asset. Someone gets sick, so we take a really big risk and we say, my mom's really sick and she goes to church, so you get on over there and heal her. Now, understand this is not me. It's not me inviting you God into every area of my life. I just want you to go heal my mom. And if you do that, I'll talk about how my great faith moved mountains. Now, you don't have to tell me, I know this is over the top, but there's gonna come a time when all of our little magic prayers of God, if I will, then will you, and all the little silly rituals that we go through where we live like hell all week long and then we come to God and we ask for forgiveness and we get mad when our life doesn't suddenly get better. Faith is not a power that you can use against God to get him to give up the goods. The greater your faith, the greater your surrender to God. In other words, the greater your confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he says he will do. The logical consequence of that is you turn your life and your will over to him. See, I think we all get to that place one way or the other. Either you're forced there or we choose to go there. And if life's going pretty good for you right now and you have a religious system that works for you, sort of like my God in your pocket thing, here's what I want to say to you. If one day you're flying along like a bird over the highway and you wind up on somebody's windshield that you didn't see coming and you feel like your life got shattered and it just was something you didn't expect and the system that you'd been had that been working for you, it doesn't seem to be working anymore and a little meditation doesn't solve your problem. Let me tell you what you find when you turn to the God that Jesus said you could call Father. You'll find that when broken people call his name, he answers. And this is the answer to a question that some of you've had. You're not a person of faith and you've asked yourself, this is why most people come to deep faith in Jesus in times of crisis. Not because Jesus solves the crisis, but because the crisis, our facade of having life in control goes away. And though it's not what God really wants, he's a loving enough father to say, if that's what it takes for you to realize that I am who I've always said I was and that I will do what I always said I would do, then you call my name when you're broken. And here's what you can expect. Mercy in your time of need and grace and strength to get through it. But the good news is you don't have to wait to be shattered. We can be people of extraordinary faith now. People who say, we'll live as if God is who he says he is and that we'll do everything he said he would do. That means we're gonna live lives of extraordinary surrender. So what does that look like for you? I know when you first think about it, it sort of feels scary to really surrender. But what too often we don't see is, what you're doing right now is scary, you just don't recognize it. You think that you, a finite being, is in total control of the world. You say, well, I don't know if I'm ready to surrender. Okay, then let me just challenge you. Can we be real honest? If you aren't ready to surrender, then just pray this prayer. God, I don't really trust you. And I wanna be an honest person. So I'm not gonna ask you for anything again until I surrender to you. This is my last prayer. I am on my own, amen. And if you can't say that, well, why not? You don't really trust him. Do you think he doesn't know that? 
The only person you're fooling is you. And at least if you say it, you'll be honest with yourself. And your gracious Heavenly Father is inviting you into a relationship of trust. And trust looks like surrender to His will. And that's when your life will change. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's moving out of some place. Maybe it's ending some relationship. Maybe it's cleaning out something in your house. Maybe it's going to 12 steps. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's just to let you, you to let us know you're here. It's, it's texting that number that's been on the screen. I don't know what it is, but my guess is you do. That's why you haven't done it. It's because it's scary. Here's my plea to you. Please don't spend any more time in your life playing around with the God thing. If you're gonna be in, then be in and surrender. And if you aren't ready to do that, then just try another season of your life without him. And, and maybe that'll be the thing that God uses to bring you back to a relationship with him that's characterized by grace and mercy. That's what he wants for all of us. Great faith is great surrender. Great surrender is simply living every day as if God is who he said he is and that he will do everything he said he would do. As I read to you earlier, Jesus led his life with great faith and his great surrender to the will of God. It really fully was seen when he prayed, God, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to die. But if, if there's another way, could we do that? But your will, not mine. For followers of Christ, that moment of his great faith laid to him giving his life to make a way for us to be with God. And every time followers of Jesus come together, we take communion together to remember his life given for us. And if you're ready to do that, I want you to get the elements ready. Another way to say it is, we come together and we remember his great surrender that led to our great opportunity to follow him. And so as we take symbols of juice and bread together, it's our chance to once again, to surrender our life to him. In just a few moments, we're gonna hear a song that expresses these words. For followers of Jesus, I urge you to take the symbols that cause us to remember Jesus as this song begins. And then there's a course to this song. It's really just an old hymn. And even if you aren't a singer, if you're a follower of Jesus, I urge you to use these words to recommit to him. Great surrender. And if you joined with us today and that's not really where you are, then I want you to listen to this. And for some of you, You've been listening for quite some time and God's leading you to a decision to do something. During this song, that number is gonna be on the screen the whole time. You can just text it. I'll get it and I'll help you follow through on any decision. As we listen, followers of Jesus, remember Jesus. For others of you, listen, consider following him and letting me help you do that. I'll come back after this song. Take it all, take it all, my life in your 
pray with me. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you've come and you've made clear to us that you are exactly who you say you are. That your son gave his life so that we could have a way to know you. And he would show us exactly who you are, loving and caring and merciful and graceful. So Father, would you help us to really live out the words of that song that we surrender everything to you, that every day we Say what you want us to say and do what you want us to do. And we surrender our will to your will. I pray for people that are joining in and maybe they're at the front end. Then you give them the courage to at least just raise their hand and say, hey, I'm here. Text that number. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. The, the number on your screen is evergreen. <laughs> I'll respond to it if you reach out to me. 
I believe God had you join in with us for a reason. I just want to end with this reminder. For those of you who are considering becoming a follower of Jesus, or if you're already a follower, the authenticity of your following is not seen by how much you can get God to do for you. There are other philosophies and religions that will teach you how to do that, I guess. But in Christianity, great faith looks like great surrender. Thanks. I hope we'll see you again soon.